0: Deuteronomy is that final book written by Moses and describes his authorship with the Holy Spirit. That's known as the Pentateuch, and we've been through, we've been going through these books for the last two years: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and now Deuteronomy. We're in the final month of Moses' life. He's on the east side of the Jordan River, modern Jordan. They're all looking at the Promised Land. They're looking at Jericho. They're a great challenge in front of them. That's the Promised Land. They're going to go in, but before they go in, first Moses is going to take them through the law. He's going to give the repetition of the law, thus Deuteronomy. And then when you get to the book of Joshua, right after Moses passes away, the Lord appears to Joshua as the command of the Lord's army. So first God gives them the law reminded and applied, and then he gives them the appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament as the command of the Lord's army appears to Joshua. So he gave them everything they needed. And this is what he's doing right now. He's giving them his word. This is like that last night Jesus was alive. He gave some great insight in teaching to the disciples and then if you think about it, if someone's just going to share all their wisdom that they've learned in the life's journey of godly things, that's what Moses is doing right now. And he's not doing it for the previous generation, because they've all died, except for Joshua and Caleb, everyone over 20 that failed the test at Kadesh Barina. It's really for the next generation, and it really always is about the next generation and equipping them. And, and that's our background, so as we come to Deuteronomy... The book has essentially three divisions. The first four chapters are a review of their journey, their history, since God had brought them out of, the, out of the land of Egypt to the Promised Land. Tonight, when it picks up the text, it picks up at Mount Sinai, where God made the covenant with them. It does not go back to Egypt. It starts with Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, where they received the Ten Commandments, and where the covenant was made between God and the nation of Israel. Then, you know, chapter 5 on, for most of the book is the law being expounded, the law being the moral law of the Ten Commandments, the civil law of governing a nation, and then the religious law of the holidays, animal sacrificial system, and so forth. And it's, it's a wonderful book, I'm excited that we're going to be going through it as we move from winter to spring towards summer. So that's our template. So tonight and for the next week or so, we're going to be doing our topical studies from the first few chapters. That is the reviewing pretty much of what we read in Numbers. And that's what you get here in the first couple of chapters. So if it sounds familiar, it is, because it's a review of God's faithfulness historically to them before Moses will begin to expound on the law for the next generation. He's building the basis of God's faithfulness and then instructing them what God expects from them as they prepare to enter in. And in that background, it said that he began to explain to them the law. And as he explained to them the law, he began, again, as I said, Reiterating God's faithfulness and what God had previously done. So, tonight we're going to pick up in verse 19 of chapter 1 of Deuteronomy, and he's going to recount when they came to Kadesh Barina and they were told to go in and spy out the land with the 40 spies, with the 12 spies for 40 days, and what happened there. And while we've looked at this previously, we're going to look at it again tonight and continue to pull some applications that would seem appropriate for us individually and collectively as a church. So, verse 19. As they left Mount Sinai, where they received the law, we read this. So we departed from Oreb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barina, and I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way which we should go up of the, and of the cities into which we shall come. Then the plan pleased me well, so I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Escol and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us, and they brought back word to us, saying, It is a good land which the Lord our God has given us. Nevertheless, You would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. And where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Akim there. And then I said to you, Do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt. Before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in the way that he went until you came to this place. Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you, to pitch your tent, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land at which I swore to give to their fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephthah. He shall see it, and to him and his children I am given the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. And this is that recounting of that story that we read about in Numbers and even looked at in application. This phrase, the Lord God has set before you, gets our attention, and it's there in verse 21. Look, the Lord God has set before you the land before you. The Lord has set before you. And as collectively as a people group, in a covenant with God, opportunities were set before them as we move out of all the COVID restrictions and things are opening up around the country and around the world, we see the Church of Jesus Christ like so many other things coming out of the ashes or what's left. I mean, obviously, we see many businesses that are closed and are never going to reopen. I'm sure you've noticed that. Have you, I don't know if it's just me. I'm suddenly noticing how many businesses actually really went out of business in the last year and how many restaurants don't even exist anymore and they're empty buildings and they're out for lease. And so those people that lost those businesses, put all their money into those enterprises as entrepreneurs. Uh, My Russian friend, Pasha, said to me, oh, they can do it again. And I said, Pasha, let me explain something to you. I took small business management in college. And when you're an entrepreneur, you pretty much get one shot and you, you put all your money into it. Like, that's not just like someone else, like the government was paying for those restaurants. That was everything they had for those restaurants. All these businesses that lost everything, it was everything they had. And they probably borrowed money to try and keep their business. So not only do they no longer have their income of their business, but they don't even, they're not right side up with their money. And you know, in Russia, when he was there, I asked him, how's it going with COVID? And everybody goes, oh, it's the same because everybody works for the government. They're all equally like down here with minimal opportunity. And, but here in America, I explained to them, you know, we have opportunities and you can do things, but most restaurants fail, most churches fail, by the way, if you don't know that, most church plants fail. And most small businesses fail, you know, like and that's what makes them so special when you make it. And we're watching our country now, and much of the world start to open up. We're watching people begin to travel. When I was at Denver Airport last Sunday, as I went to security on Sunday morning, it's the first time they had the long lines. They, they were moving, but a, previously when I traveled to Denver, there was no line. He just walked right up. It's like, but now there's like longer lines. You can see that we're the, we're coming out of this long dark winter, as they say, and the Lord is setting before us opportunities as a church, as He's setting before all of us. Like in a lot of ways, we're all coming out of a hibernation. We're all schools, everything. We're all we're all moving. We're moving towards spring. It's spring around the planet. It's moving towards spring. And not just the spring, but it's the spring for the lost year. It's like we lost a whole year, and now it's spring. And as we think about what the Lord sets before us, he's setting before us a a new world with different things, right? I mean, you understand, like, everything's just so different now. It really is. And we've all learned how to acclimate, because human beings are incredibly resourceful, and we've learned how to acclimate to always having a mask. Like, Pasha was with me for five days. I kept saying, you got your mask? I da duh, duh, have my mask. You know, always have your mask. And, and some places you need it, some places you don't. But if I'm going to the bank, I still need my mask. If I'm going to Albertsons, I still need my mask. And that's just the way it is. And that's, that's okay. And, but we're, we're coming out of this. And as I think about the context of this passage, I, I set before you, you know, the, the, the Lord, look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. And what we really want to be looking at is what the Lord has set before us. I was at Calvary Costa Mesa Wednesday night with Brian Broderson. Uh, Andrew leading worship. It was a wonderful night. And then I met with Brian and Pastor John and Pasha for a couple hours in the office, Pastor Chuck's office. It was wonderful to talk about Russia and missions. And I love being around people that are enthusiastic and, and opportunistic. They see, they, they're enthusiastic and they see opportunity. They see opportunity in our country. They see opportunity in the ends of the earth. They see opportunity in everything. And it was just so wonderful to be with people like that. Then I go to this pastor's conference at Downey yesterday and today, and the, all the messages were just of, uh, uh, optimistic and of opportunity and, and what the church can do. And as we're coming out of this dark winter, that this whole thing that we've been through, it's been almost exactly a year, because remember March 13th was when it all began, that Friday the 13th, and our last service was the 14th with Jack leading us in worship. That's where the whole journey began. And we're almost there, the one-year anniversary I heard the Disneyland's opening up and it's soon. We don't know when, but they said they're going to open up. And like, this is what we're seeing. So the Lord is setting before us. We're all coming out of this. And it's not what people think so much or what governments think or want to do, whether they saw opportunity or lost opportunity during the last year. What it's really about is the kingdom of God. What it's really about is Jesus Christ on the throne, over his universe, over this planet. And what's he want to do? in the church of Jesus Christ, his church going forward from this time with the current generation and the next generation. What does he want to do with worship generation? What does he want to do with the Calvary Chapel movement? What does he want to do with the body of Christ, uh, the gospel preaching, Bible teaching churches in our country and around the world? That's really what it's about. And then we break it down to you, your family. What is he setting before you? What is he setting before you in March of 2021? We had no idea what he was setting before us in March of 2020, right? I mean, the first week of, 20, first week of March is when I called Scott Cunningham, and I said, hey, dude, you should you get your stuff now while it's still there. Uh, you could see where it was going. I was getting reports from China. I was getting reports from other parts of the world, Italy. And I'm like, hey, we're in for something here. And, but now, like, here we are. We've come through it. And I hope we've grown. I hope we're more humble. I hope we're more gentle. I hope we're more spirit-filled. I hope we have more faith. I hope there's a greater brokenness and a greater anticipation and expectation of what God, who he is, a deeper understanding of him and his character and what he wants to do in your life. So he sets before all of us. So I'm thinking of this application for the body of Christ worldwide, for, for our church, and again just, you know, two hours in Pastor Chuck's office with Brian and John and and Pasha's just like, oh, it's so exciting because we're talking about the future. We're talking about the next 20 years and how we're gonna reach the next generation of Russian kids. It's the children, the teenagers. But now they're so Americanized, they say, how do you say teenager?' Like, ah, oh, you say teenager. <laughs> Go figure, right? Uh, a lot of countries do that. You know, the languages, they just like, they pick our languages and they watch enough American TV. So the word for teenager in Russia didn't apply anymore because the teenagers call themselves teenagers, right? So." How are we going to reach that next generation? And so now the set before us an opportunity for us as a church, and what's set before you in your life, moving toward Easter. What, as we things kind of move forward to the new normal, I would I wouldn't say go back to normal, right? Because we're not going back to what we thought was normal, but we're going forward into a new normal, and we're moving toward that. So I would say, as I look at this text, I think what the Lord is saying to us because we have faith and optimism in Jesus Christ, and we would say, look, things are, the spring is coming, the seasons are changing, and what is the Lord setting before us? Now, he set before them contextually a great future, a great inheritance, a great opportunity for their families, for their marriages, for their children, for their children's children. That's what he was setting before them, and in front of them were battles and blessings. That was a a phrase used yesterday by Pastor Gerald Hagerman that really spoke to me. Battles and blessings. And it got me thinking, there are no blessings without the battles. And there's battles without blessings, but if you've got Jesus Christ, your battles can be turned into blessings. But there's always battles with the blessings of the Lord. There's blessings in the battles with the Lord as well. So we have to ask ourselves, what is God calling us to now as things are really going forward in 2021? We're going on to a new normal, and winter has given way to spring in more ways than one. Well, the Lord, the first thing we see in this text that he said, so I want you to think about what is God setting before you? Now, that's a personal application that God might give you. I'm thinking a lot about missions, our community, and stuff like that. Walking by the beach, we walked by the Pier Plaza there with Pasha, and I said, you know, For 12 plus years, Brian Broderson and everyone worked together for these outreach events called, you know, Beachside Summerfest, and none of it happened last year. The Fourth of July didn't happen. I was like, I don't know if we can even come back and do it this year. Like, Suddenly I'm thinking about things I haven't thought about because there's no reason to think about them because nothing was happening. Will Labor of Love come back to Bolsa Chica for Joe Pettick and uh, Calvary Chapel of the Harbor and their big event? Will Beachside Summerfest come back to the Calvary Movement for Orange County? I... Honestly, I don't know. But I want to be seeking the Lord to find out what is there that we can be a part of. I do know this. Greg Laurie is doing his crusade this year. Did you know that? Did you know that? And you know, Greg Glory got a bigger vision. Did you know that too? Because Greg Laurie is not going back to the big A. You know where he's going? The new stadium where the Chargers and the Rams play. I was like, oh, yeah, Greg Glory. Yeah. That's a man with a bigger vision, Right. He had to take one step back. Easter, all that, remember? His crusades were all online. And he comes back in 2021. Oh, he's not thinking Big A for the 31st year. He's thinking the brand new stadium in Los Angeles. I like that. That's inspiring to us. So now as we go forward and think about this text for us, I want you to think, we're not regressing to remote crusades online. That was... A holding pattern or the situation as Greg Laurie is moving toward the crusade in the brand new stadium that's yet to even have a true capacity crowd whatsoever because of COVID in it. That's how we want to think big God, big vision, faithfulness, big promises. So now, as we've studied these wilderness wandering folks and these 10 spies with the bad report versus the two spies with the good report, Joshua and Caleb. We now use our context of our life where God says, I set before you. So we, again, ask ourselves, what is God setting before us individually and for our families and personally right now? And as he sets these things before us, we see that the first thing he said, reviewed by Moses, in reviewing what he had said, is go, and now this is before they sent the spies, go up and possess it as the Lord has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. So let us begin here by saying in this broad topic, little supporting points to it but really the topic itself is the point tonight bigger vision big god bigger bigger vision time to go forward and go up and possess but we see that he says go up and possess it as spoken but do not fear or be discouraged we have to go up we have to get after it we have to make things happen you have to make the phone call you have to pray and get the vision you you have to take action and you have to think about, first of all, maybe what the Lord's putting on your heart, what's in your thoughts, what's the passion that's in your heart that he's putting there, and then you need to take steps in that direction. And if you know the Lord is guiding you and leading you, you need to go up. Now, when we give our life to Christ, we're born again of the Holy Spirit. And as we're born of the Spirit, we pass from death to life, and we pass from being outside the promises to to all the promises. We've been talking about that quite a bit. And In Christ, we have all the promises there, yes and amen. And in Christ, we have access to us, all the power of heaven to fulfill what God has for us. So when we think about if we've given our life to Christ and God's saying, hey, go up and possess whatever it is, whether it's new victories in our personal life and character, whether it's new opportunities of creativity he's given us, whatever it could be, it's moving toward, it's moving forward with the Lord. Because for them, it was going forward and entering into the promises and the inheritance. And for us, we can keep that context and say, yeah, but it's through Jesus. So the non-believer doesn't get to go forward the same way. In the last nine months, I gave away two cars and had one stolen. And we were down to one car and the only car I had went to Colorado last week and is there in Denver. And I was going to need to rent a car. And like I do a lot of times around 2, 3 in the afternoon, I was like, Jennifer's <sighs> like, you're going to call Enterprise and set that up for the next month? I'm like, I'm going to take a nap first. <laughs> you know, it's not like about nighttime church, you can take that nap. I mean, the CS is so me, right? And I woke up from the nap with a message, and it was someone saying, hey, I got a car I want to give you. Wow. Wow, hey, honey, someone's giving me a car. Really? Call them back. I'm like, Wow. They want to give me a car. They gave me a nice car, and I had to get it. So I went to Denver. I came back. I had to get it registered and smog, pink slip, you know, automobile club, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I met the the uh, auto body place, and um, the his, for the smogging. It's an older car, and I, and um, and that guy goes, "Oh wow, this is a really nice car. It's a really nice car. I know, I know, yeah." Someone gave it to me. Really? Yeah. I said, you know, I've had given two cars away this year, and I've had one stolen. No kidding. He's like, it's like circle of life, huh? <laughs> and I was like, kind of. <sighs> That's the difference between being not born again and born again. Because there is a universal principle of sowing and reaping, and most world religions recognize that. But for the follower of Christ... Our sowing and reaping is in Jesus Christ's name, and we have the promises of the Second Corinthians that if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. You see, that's what I mean. Like that just that that just you know, God knows what we need before we even ask. I fell asleep and I'm gonna have to call rental car people when I wake up. Sometimes it's just good to wait on the Lord. You know, like 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 remember like Dopey and the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs who sleep on the feathers. Yeah, you know, it's like, like that, you know, or the Lion and Wizard of Oz when he falls asleep in the field. That kind of sleep. One wakes up there it is god is good he knows what you need before you ask and if you so bountifully you will be bountifully yeah i just share that to encourage your faith but my point being as you go up and possess we go up in jesus name with all the promises working for us and as we're just true to who we are in christ and just be who we are in christ it's all going to work out he's going to take care of it he's he's going to take care of it We think, oh, we'll get a good deal with Enterprise for a few weeks. They're pretty good people up there on Beach Boulevard. We've worked with them before. God's going, no, i got a car for you. I'm going to give you a car. See, like, that's our God who we serve. They were going to move toward their inheritance. We need to move toward our inheritance. And when we're born again through faith in Jesus Christ, and we pass from death to life, we are joint heirs with Christ, and we are in the trust, we are in the state, the estate, and our Heavenly Father wants to do good things for us. God is for us, and we must keep that in mind. And, Scott, thank you for your prayers earlier, talking about he, he spoke Jeremiah 29 to us. He spoke it over us, right? You prophesied that passage over us tonight. My thoughts are good thoughts. They give you a future and a hope. And then you quoted Psalm 139 as well. It's beautiful. Like, that's, he's just prophesying over us when he's leading us in worship. When God's saying for us, go up, go up. Get after it. Because we're not coming from what we think we might be able to accomplish in our own strength. But we're coming from who Christ is and what he's already accomplished for us. And we're simply obeying him and moving toward what he has for us. See, this is the Old Testament version, but through faith in Jesus Christ and the, and being born of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit and the promises of God, we're moving toward, we're not in the dark groping, not knowing. We're being, We're walking by faith, but we're being led by the one who died for us and rose for us. And so you get after it. So I want to remind us, as you're thinking about what's out there, like, Get after it. And when you think about getting after it, going forward from all that we've been through in this last year, you think, well, okay, he says, do not fear or be discouraged. And that was before they went in or even spied out the land. We are tempted to be afraid. And what are we most afraid of? The unknown. We're afraid of the unknown. The new job. If you have it, the first day is coming. Like my sister Barbie on Monday, her first day on the new job. Macy San Diego, she did that. She found her way there. Four years ago when she's at rehab house, and got the job as a rehab person at Macy's as a temp during Christmas season, that was a huge step of faith to get back into society, go to work, and get paid $15 an hour, and work in the shoe department. And she became like a manager, and she's really good at selling shoes because Barbie's got great people skills. And so she got, out, got after it, and she, little things faithful, bigger things, and so, but on Monday, she gets on the 95 from Vero Beach, Florida, and drives them over to Beach, Florida, and goes to the new Macy's with all new people. And she's not selling shoes, she's selling furniture. She's not on the taking Interstate 8 to work at Macy's where Jack Murphy Stadium is being torn down right now. She's taking the 95, new freeway, different time zone. Still a Macy's, doesn't look like her Macy's at Mission Valley. It looks like a Macy's in Melbourne from the 70s. Older looking building, but it has the Florida palm trees, not our fan palms, but the Florida palms. That's her day on Monday. She was panicking the other day. She called me up. She was terrified. Joey, Barbie, God got you across country. The car died in Mobile, Alabama. You found a way. You signed the, the closing papers at the Navy Federal in Pensacola on Thursday. I'm so proud of you. Then you got to the signing on Friday in Vero Beach. The, the pod with your stuff's arising on, arriving on Thursday. I'm in an empty house. And I'm like, what have I done? You've gotten to the promised land is what you've done. you've you've gotten after it, you've gotten after the next thing, I'm just, I'm scared, I'm scared to go to, I'm scared to go to work at Macy's, Joey, Joey, because my mom's gone, she's always having these conversations with my mom, my mom said, let her have them with you before she passed away, she's like, Joey, Joey, I'm the big brother, she's like, Joey, I'm I'm so scared, I got a new boss, I'm selling furniture, not shoes, Barbie, God was faithful in Macy's in Mission Valley, he's going to be faithful at uh, Macy's in Melbourne Beach, Florida, you're going to crush it with furniture. You're going to be fantastic. Macy's has good furniture. We went to Macy's and we're looking for a couch. I got good furniture. I'll be fine. Okay. She called me yesterday. The pod came with all the stuff. They're unloading it. Hannah and Nate showed up with the guys from the youth group to unload it and everything. Now it looks like a house. She sent me a video today. Now it looks like a house, right? The furniture, the, fur- the dog's getting more settled because the furniture that came from California is suddenly in the empty house in Florida and it's not empty anymore. You got to get after it. Go up and get it and don't be afraid. I thought of my sister, every mile she was driving across the country last week was a mile farther from the known and a mile closer to the unknown. We need those trips. We should all at 55 be shaken up like that. That's a good thing. I did that when I was younger. I'm not really in a hurry to do that when I'm older, but I've done it. <laughs> yeah. But I want to be in a rut. So if that's what God has to do, then you know that's okay. But we, we need those adventures. Sitting in the office with Brian Broderson, recounting the first time when the Iron Curtain came down, the first Calvary Chapel pastor that got on a plane and went to Russia with a team was Brian Broderson. And we're in there with Pasha, who got saved two years later when Jeff Johnson went there and shared the gospel on the trip. Two years later, but Brian was the first Calvary pastor because I was at Vista when that happened. They just got on a plane and made things happen. We got to go up. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Or to quote an athlete, Wayne Gretzky, you missed all the shots, you never take. So you got to go. You just got to go. So I want to remind us, we're a moving people. Ours is an active faith. And yeah, there's things that will make you afraid. If you look long enough, there are giants. They're bigger than you. Their cities are stronger. They are fortified. They're not, they're not soft. They're fortified. But it's not about what we see. It's about who we serve. And where there's the blessings, there's going to be a battle. So focus on the blessings. Get after the blessings and let the Lord fight our battles. Go up and possess it and do not fear or be discouraged. My poor sister, oh my goodness, when I got the text, because it was the day Jennifer and I were driving to Denver last week, I got the text from Barbie. The car died in Mobile, Alabama on Highway 10. I was like, oh Lord, of all the things I could have just like, God help Barbie, and she has a friend with her and the dog, and they're broken down on the 10 where there's no shoulder. And I've driven past Mobile, Alabama a couple times. They can't find a rental car anywhere in Mobile Alabama because if you don't know in COVID, there's a lot less rental cars. They're harder to get. I was like, oh Lord, please, this is so close. You're so close. It's like you're looking at Jericho. You just can't bring the walls down. You're so close. But you know, Barbie got the next day. She didn't call me. She got it done, figured it out. And God, God can do what your big brother can't, right? Yeah. So don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. My sister, she was driving to the first house she'd ever owned. The cutest little house in Florida. It's so cute. And the car broke down in Mobile, Alabama. We can't be afraid or discouraged. We gotta get after it. It's life. Life happens. There's always a battle. Get the blessings. Fight the battle. Let the Lord fight the battle and give you the blessings. Now, we also see another thing that God goes before you. It says in verse 29, then I said to you, so when they came back, and Joshua and Caleb presented the good report, and then the ten spies gave the bad report. They had to choose good report, bad report, and they chose bad report. And now we get insight where Moses, we, we learn more about what Moses said that night. He goes, hey, you people, what are you doing? Do not be terrified or, for, uh, or afraid of them. So don't be terrified or afraid of them. So this is a double two. Like the last one was, don't fear or be discouraged. This one. Don't be terrified or afraid. The Lord, your God, goes before you. He goes before you. And it goes on to say in verse 31 that the Lord God carried you as a man carries his son. There are men here who have carried their children, daughter or son. There's something when you carry your own child at various times, you would carry him. You know, there's, but the context is a father and his son, not a father and his daughter or a mother and her son or a mother and her daughter. It's a father carrying his son is the context. It's like I think of my boys when they were younger. You know, like a father carries a son. You asked me how far would I carry my son? As far as I could till I dropped. That's how far I'd carry my son. It's amazing what you could do if your, your child's life depended upon it, how far you could go carrying your son even now. We could find strength we can't even imagine for the love of a father for a son or parents for children. God says, I carried you. Moses goes, he carried you. Like a father carries his son. What is wrong with you people? He carried you. You can look back. He carried you as a father carries his son. When, when, you know, when they fall asleep, when they come back from Disneyland, when we lived in Cardiff, there was one day we went to Disneyland, and we had all the kids, and I'll never forget, they are all completely passed out. We got there when they opened, and we didn't leave until they closed. They had sugar. They had everything you could have at Disneyland. All I mean, they were out, like, I mean, like, just totally out, forever out. And they're all there. And I remember that night, I've got pictures of it. All four kids are all just asleep. And I remember carrying all four of them from the car to their beds as a father carries his son. Even Timmy, little Timbo, old Disneyland, you know, wipe them out, right? The kids, some of you know that. By the way, it's a wonderful thing to know that feeling and have that memory to pull back on. Moses says, You guys, God carried you like a father carries a son. He is going before you. As he carried you out of the car when you came home from Disneyland when you were passed out, he goes before you for the next thing. He's gonna, he's carried you in the past. He is going to go before you. He's going to go before you. So as God went before them for the promised land, he's going to go before Joshua and Caleb and all of them to enter in. He's going to go before them in all their into the land. He's going to go before them. They are going to conquer the land. Joshua is going to cast lots. The tribes are going to get their territories. It's going to be exactly like God said it would be. He's going to go before them. And so we're reminded as we think of the opportunities before us as we move into spring and coming out of this experience that we'll remember for the rest of our lives for sure. He's going before us. In the, new, in the things that, he might be calling us to things that we know. He might be calling us to things that we, we don't know. He might be calling us to things that we feel, ah, I feel like that's kind of my wheelhouse, I kind of understand that. He might be calling us to things like, well, I'm not sure about that, but he's calling us to it. And in all those things, he goes before us. He goes before us, and I shared this story not long ago, but it, for me, it's, it's still one of the most powerful memories, but when we were moving to Virginia Beach, and Hannah was nine months old. We had the dog in the car. Jennifer and I took us eight days to get across the country. And we're going to Virginia Beach, starting a church, Calvary Chapel. There's a scattering of about 15 people that have been part of a home fellowship that was called Calvary Chapel. Pastor Chuck was on the radio, WODC radio there in Virginia Beach. Uh, once a week he was on. So we had a little bit of air cover to get us. You know, Pastor Chuck's on the radio. We can tag his radio spot. We're a new Calvary Chapel. City of a half a million people. But the longer I, the farther I got from Calvary Vista and everything I knew, and the closer I got to Virginia Beach and everything I didn't know, I really began to like, you know, you're the husband and your husbands can relate to this. We're like, you got to keep your cool. Like you just got like, that's oh, all good, honey. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, sell it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like, you know, you, you know, when the parents stay calm, the kids stay calm. And when the husband stays calm, then the wife stays calm. Usually, you know, it's like, but the closer we got to Virginia Beach, I was just like, what have I done? What have we done? And in that case, we were supposed to get a, there was a house. Back then, interest rates were 14%, by the way, in 1990. 14% interest rates on homes. And a lot of military was in Virginia Beach, so the military would move on, and what they would do is you could assume the loan, you could just take over the house. So they just give you the house, it's like you, you have my house now. Most of the houses were not right side up, they're upside down, and the interest rates were 14%. So there was a home, Next to someone who wanted us to start the church. It was a townhome. They were connected garages. And they said, hey, um, CBN has a fund to help pastors. So CBN has committed to uh, pay a couple thousand dollars to get you for closing costs to get you in this house. And you assume the loan. I mean, this is like 1990. The, the mortgage was like 750 bucks, right? A little th- two-bedroom thing. And we're so excited. I'm like, okay, well, at least we have a place to live. We get back there. Before we get there, we find out the CBN thing fell through. So I'm in in like Tennessee thinking, oh, it's all good. You know, I'm scared, but at least we have a house. And before we get there, it's like, we don't have a house. Something got lost in the communication, and it's not about CBN. It's about you and the Lord. You know, the Lord give it, the Lord take it. Like, (laughs) it's a bad sign. It's all good. We get to Virginia Beach after driving 3,000 miles over eight days. We pulled in a shopping center I'd never been to. We're hungry. I look around, this food, that food, sandwich, I want sandwich. I walk in there, first thing, this guy, I'm so beat up, so tired. Guy looks at me and goes, dude, Joey Baran. It's like a surfer guy, he like Spicoli. Dude, Joey Baran, what are you doing in Virginia Beach? I was like, hey, I am moving here to start a church. No way, bro, hey, bro, my friend writes for the Virginia pilot and he needs to do a religious story and he doesn't know what to do. He should do a story on you. Sure. (laughs) You're thinking, how are we going to even want to come to the church? How are we going to promote the church? It's 1990. How are we going to do this? The largest paper in Virginia Beach. I don't think, I I honestly feel like I'm not called. I made a big mistake. I'm trying to figure out how to save this situation. I don't have the house. I'm starving. We pull up. And I go in the re- sandwich shop the guy says you're Joy Brand my friend needs to write an article for the paper about religion and you're the article that article ran a week later so many people came to the church over the next two years from that article the Lord goes before you now that's what Joey Brand needed you, you might, it might be totally something different for you but that's what he did he meets us where we're at and he goes before us and he shows himself strong on our behalf that's why I, taught, I, haven't, I didn't tell that story for years, but I've told a couple times in the last year here because it's just such a profound moment. Like, you're terrified. It's like, oh my goodness. And then I realize, no, the Lord is in this. There's a lot of sandwich shops in Virginia Beach. We can Google them right now. And there's a lot of shopping centers and strip malls. And that's when we came to. That's when I walked in. There's a lot of different people that have that shift. The Lord went before us. So whatever God has for you, that brings you to the point of just sheer terror over what's happening next. Just know this, the Lord always goes before you and he carries you like a father carries his son. He goes before you. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave to send us to Virginia Beach and say, I'll see you in 30 years when you figure it out. He went before us because we're going to preach his name. We're going to be transformed in his character. And we're going to advance his kingdom, not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. It's his church, it's his work. You're his, it's his calling. So we get after it, and we know that he, as a father carries a son, he carries, he's already carried us more than we know, and he goes before us. So get your story about how he went before you, because you can't have that story if you don't go. If you don't go, you don't have that story. You personally need to take those steps where you get to, you like, oh, wow, the Lord went before us. You need to have those divine moments, those supernatural moments, those miraculous moments where you go like, it's like when Peter, when Jesus says, go get the, go catch a fish and we'll pay the tax. And Peter catches the fish and there's a coin in there that pays the temple tax. He's like, whoa, oh, now, huh? Peter's a fisherman. There's a lot of fish in the Sea of Galilee. I catch the one that has a coin to pay the temple tax. The Lord goes before us. He knows what you need before you ask. Take a nap. There's the car. Like, he goes before us. But you've got to be willing to go to see him go before you. So that's the lesson of their failure is an exhortation for our success and our fruitfulness and our faithfulness. Now, there's another thing. God will show the way. It says in... uh, Verse 33, it says, yeah, after all this you didn't believe, you did not believe. So he's recounting how at that time, that night, they didn't believe. But he said that God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. He went, he went, he, he shows us the way to go. So he doesn't just, he tells us to go, 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 and he tells us to go get it. And then he goes before us, but then he shows us the way to go. So he's already gone before us, but then he shows us the way to go. So there's a destination of the journey, but he's, he's guiding us in the journey. He guides us in the journey. And we need him to guide us. I always say, you know, I want to enjoy the journey, but we need to be guided by the Lord in our journey. And so we talked about the fire by day and the cloud by night supernaturally for 40 years when it was time for them to the move the cloud would just start moving and they would just follow the cloud. Or at night, the clo- the fire would move and they'd follow the fire and it led them. They, it was very clear how they led. But you know, in the New Testament, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would guide us and lead us in all things. And the Spirit of God guides us. So when we think about how are we led, as we think like well, we're going we're gonna to go up and possess, we're going to go and we're afraid and we could be discouraged and we believe God's going to go before us. But when do we go? How do we go? Where do we go? We need to be led by the Lord. And as you think about it, the way the Lord really guides, because it'd be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to have the cloud and the fire, like when you're, you're trying to pick a new job and you have three choices? Wouldn't it be nice if the Lord just goes, "Follow the cloud." There it is. All right, easy peasy. But that's not the New Testament and the New Covenant. We get to abide in Christ. We get to we get to press in and hear the voice of the Lord. We get to let him. We get to hear him speak from his word. We get to have his peace rule and reign in our lives. So when you think about where to go, when to go, how to go, these sorts of things, that he would show you the way. He goes before us, but then he shows us the way. Well, I think the clearest way to think how does he does that for all of us when we think about our lives, how we ended up here as a church, how I ended up at Costa Mesa with Worship Generation 20 years ago, he's going to speak to us from his word, so we need to be in his word at all times. Then he's going to uh, prompt us by his spirit. We want to be sensitive to the spirit. And then there's going to be Confirming circumstances. Like, you get confirming circumstances sometimes. Now, the circumstances don't dictate the decision, but they confirm the Word and the Spirit. And then, ultimately, you take the Word, the Spirit, and some confirming circumstances, and then the the closing element is the peace of God. Because Jesus said, My peace I give you, my peace I leave you, not as the world gives you, give I to thee. And he said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Well, Paul the Apostle said that in Colossians uh, chapter 3. And the funny thing about that phrase, that word rule is the, the word for umpire or referee. So when it says in Colossians, it has the idea of the Olympics from that timeline. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's like an Olympic official at the track making sure that you're in your lane. It's a referee. That And we would use the same term really it really truly is the same term with baseball when the umpire says he's safe or he's, or she's out. Like it's, the, let the peace rule in your heart. So there's a plate at the plate, it's, it's the word, it's the spirit, it's circumstances, it's there and it's like he's safe! You know it's like it's in, this is the Lord. Or But all of a sudden like the, the, the peace isn't there and it's like you're like, oh, it looks, just looked like it was it. Like I thought for sure this was the job. We did this, we did that. We had, we had, the, we had. It seemed like the word of God was lined up. Seemed like the spirit of God was lined up. Even some circumstances. And we're there, and all of a sudden it's just like, he's out. You know? and You're like, what? I thought this was my job. How could we fall out of escrow? How did that happen? He's out. And you're like, it's like it's awesome. You know, like, like. But you gotta let God say out when you're out, because last thing you want to do is try and be safe when you're out. Don't ever go against the peace of God. It's to guide us, to ruin our hearts like the cloud and the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And there are times when it looks good, but you take a step, you're like, eh, eh, you're like, and you get that. And we don't have it all figured out. That's what the journey of faith is like. Because even Paul the Apostle in Acts 16, he went to Bithynia, and then it says, the Spirit forbid him. How far do you get into the mountain pass where he figured out the peace of God's back there in the valley? And then they're going to go into Asia where Ephesus was. And again, like the Holy Spirit forbid them. Like how close did he get to the seaports of modern Turkey? It's like, he's got Timothy and he's got Silas with him. They're like, okay, so we did a little mountain thing. We just did a little coastal thing. And now you're saying, you don't know? Then he wakes up the next morning, you know, when they're having coffee. And he goes, hey, you'll never believe this. I had a dream last night. Oh, do tell! I had a dream. There was a man. He's a Macedonian. saying, "Come over here." So now, wait a minute. You mean we went to the mountains and went to the coast, and now you're telling us you had a dream, and we're going to go to Europe because you had a dream because a man said, "Come over here." Yes. Well, that's how the gospel got to Europe. That's how the gospel got to Europe because, of course, it was Lydia from Thyatira and the women by the river. But then there's the Philippian jailer and all the wonderful things that happened in Philippi. So it's okay to, like, get off the wrong exit and turn around or something or, like, you know, redirect, like, wait a second, GPS isn't working. (laughs) You know, like, God doesn't give it all to us at one time. There are steps of faith, and that's part of the process to grow and learn. And so he is going to lead us. He's going to lead us. He's going to lead us by his word. He's going to lead us through the the spirit, the quiet voice of the Lord. He's going to confirm things. He'll meet you where you're at to confirm to you personally. That's the beauty of it. He confirms things to you personally for how you think and how you are. He'll confirm them to you. And then he'll give you that peace. And that peace allows you to stand in the midst of chaos like the eye of a hurricane. Just peace in the midst of that. You can keep your calm and keep your composure and keep going in the right direction. This is who's leading us. And he says to us tonight, On March 6, 2021, almost a year to the day, when all that just unraveled before our eyes, all the craziness and the unknown, Jesus stayed the same the whole time. And he's not failed. He's never going to fail. And he still says to us, I've set the land before you. He has set his calling and purposes on our lives and all the human adventure and experiences high-low. He set it before us. And so tonight, I remind us, he's got this. He's setting it before us. We got to get after it, conquer our fears, and just get after it. We got to know that he's going to go before us, and we got to know he's going to guide us in the journey. And in the end, when it's all said and done, we want to be like Joshua. Because the one who believes is the one who enters in. And not only do they enter in for themselves, they pass on the blessing to the next generation. That's who we want to be, right? It's a reload. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's There's been a reset, and I want to be in front of it. I, I want to be in more meetings. We're sitting down and talking about what the Lord's going to do for the next 20 years in, in uh, Russia. Don't you want to be in those kind of meetings? Like to have the vision that the kingdom's advancing and how we can go forward in a new generation. That, that's who we want to be. That's who we want to be. That's, that's a future and a hope. Not thoughts of evil, but a future and a hope. That's what's in front of us.